Welcome to the Grove Church's message podcast. My name is Julie Penta, and I am the lead pastor of the Grove Church, which is located in Fort Collins, Colorado. We hope this message inspires you to live for Christ more fully. For more information, visit our website at thegrovecommunity.net and check out our Instagram, thegrovefc. We are in our fifth and final week of our series, Tidying Up. I think probably most of you have caught one of the messages in this series called Tidying Up, but it is based off of a show called Tidying Up that's on Netflix. It is based around the ideas of this lady named Marie Kondo. She came out with a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up back in 2014. Her concept is based all about getting rid of things that don't bring you any joy finding spaces to put things, having everything have a home. Uh, And she is this really tiny little Japanese woman that has created a wave of cleaning and tidying all over the nation. Uh, And so we are, that is her, we are in this series, like I said, and her method is called the Mari method of cleaning. We're gonna put up those six steps that she has given in her book to cleaning. So the first one is how we started the series. It's commit to tidying up. We said, hey, the very first thing that we need to do when we're tidying up our living spaces is just commit to commit to taking the time to do it. And we said, hey, what does that look like in our lives to commit the time the space, the effort, the energy, to tidying up those things in our hearts that we know are not great, the things that we're not proud of, the jealousy, the the competition, the gossip. What are those things that we need to tidy up and commit to tidying up? And then Marie has these distinctions that she says in her book. She says there's a difference between cleaning and tidying. Cleaning involves dirt and tidying involves objects. Last week, we talked about what does it look like to focus on number three, which is finish discarding. What does it look like for us to evaluate the things that we have going on in our life and say, is this worth my time and energy? Is this worth my effort? So we said, hey, what does it look like for us to take this assessment of our calendar, our commitments, the things that are stressing us out, and try to get rid of some of them? Because how many of you, on an ongoing basis, feel a little stressed out, a little frenzied, overwhelmed, torn in a thousand different directions? Anyone? So I found this meme last week, we're gonna put it up on the screen, and it says, on a scale from one to even, I can't. Maybe this is you in your life sometimes. There's just too much, there's too much going on. There's too many people that we are responsible to and for. And so we said, hey, we need to take a step back and say, not only do we need to kind of clean up our hearts, but we need to tidy up our hearts and our lives. We need to start saying no to things, to be more intentional about how we're spending our time so that we get to this place where we have more time and more space to start adding things back into it. So then the last thing that we're gonna be talking about today and the very last step that she has is ask yourself if it sparks joy. And so here is a video from Ellen when Marie Kondo was on the show talking about her concepts of what it looks like to choose items, to choose things that spark joy in your life. Check out this video. 
So you've been called the tidiest woman in the world. And at what point, how old were you when you realized you would be the tiniest, uh, not tiniest, tiniest. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> She's taking out the tiniest. There are other people that are tinier. When did you realize? The tiniest woman in the world. What age were you when you realized you'd do this?そう、私たちのオーガナイゼンコンサルタントのような、私は19歳の時からです。そう、私たちのオーガナイゼンコンサルタントのような、私は19歳の時からです。そう、私たちのオーガナイゼンコンサルタントのような、私は19歳の時から
But why is it that we have a hard time answering the fact that God wants us to have joy? Another person's response was to say, well, um, yes, like theoretically, I know that the, the, the Bible answer is, you know, Jesus. And I know the church answer is, yes, of course, God wants me to have joy. But when I apply that to my life, I have a hard time understanding what that means because sometimes my life doesn't always feel like it's filled with joy. Sometimes life can be stressful. There's illness, there's disease, there's interpersonal relationships, there's struggles at my job, there's struggles in my, in my marriage, there's struggles in my finances. And I oftentimes look at my life and go, I wish that there was more joy. So if God wanted me to have more joy, wouldn't it be easier? Wouldn't I be experiencing more of it? We have this really complicated relationship with joy. But yeah, we all want more of it, don't we? We all wanna be able to experience more joy in our lives. And so it seems like perhaps we could benefit from a better understanding of what joy is what the Bible actually has to say about joy. So the first thing that we need to address about joy is that there is a difference between joy and happiness that is a very important distinction. There is a difference between joy and happiness. There's a quote that I wanna read to you from a, um, a psychologist named Rachel Fernley, and here is what she says about the difference between joy and happiness. It says, joy is more consistent and cultivated internally. It comes when you make peace with who you are, why you are, and how you are. Whereas happiness tends to be externally triggered and is based on other people, things, places, thoughts, and events. Happiness is external. Happiness is by experiences. It's like, hey, I'm really happy because I had this amazing meal or I'm really happy because the Broncos won. Or in Paul's case, I'm really happy if at the end of the day, the Packers win the Broncos game, then, then I will be happy. It's if I got a raise, if I got the job I wanted, if I got asked out on a date, if I got the new gadget I'd been saving up for, if I got the new sweater or makeup that I had been having my eye on over at Ulta. Like those are things that are making me happy, but they're circumstantial. And they're based off of things that you are experiencing and reacting to. Whereas joy, joy is not controlled by external factors. It comes from within. The Bible says this, modern day psychologist says this, everybody agrees that there is this difference between joy and happiness. So if joy is this internal thing that we have that is not controlled by external factors and experiences. What does it actually look like? Well, let me give you an example of what this looks like in the Bible. There is this guy named Paul. Uh, it was after Jesus had lived amongst the earth and had told people the best way to live, had died on the cross for their sins, had given them a chance at new life, new relationships, freedom, all of these things. This guy named Paul was traveling around to different nations because he had this joy in his heart because he had experienced God. He didn't just wanna sit around, stay in his own comfort and safety of his home, his city, his country, his language. He decided to travel around, spend the rest of his life telling people the message about Jesus. 
At this point, when he is writing this passage that we are going to read, he has done this to the point where he has been placed in jail because of the message that he is spreading about Jesus. He is in jail. Not exactly the place that you would think that you would find happiness, okay? If you had happiness on a scale from happiness of 10 is like rainbows and butterflies and everything that's right in the world, and, and one is like doom and, and gloom, Paul's probably in a two. He's actually fearful of his life. He thinks that he might be killed for the things that he's saying. He's in jail, right? He has no freedom. He doesn't get to pick what he eats. There's probably rats and bugs and and especially at this time in the world, there wasn't running water and bathrooms and electricity. All of these things that are amounting to not having a lot of happiness or potentially even joy in your life. And here is what he says to people. As he is in jail, still encouraging other people that are around him, here is what he says in Philippians 4.4. 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Like he couldn't just say it one time. He had to say it twice from a jail cell to have joy. Here is a guy that has no real reason to be happy, yet he still has joy. And this is something that we need to realize is that our joy is not necessarily based just entirely on our circumstances. Our joy is coming from within. So how do we get to this place where we have joy? Because if you're like me sometimes and a lot of people in America, you're saying, hey, I feel like there's, there's long periods, long stretches of my life where I don't have joy. I don't feel like I'm a joyous person. Or it's out there and I know it's attainable. I experience it sometimes, but on an ongoing basis, I find myself more stressed, more cluttered, more unhappy than I find myself joyous. So what does the Bible say that we can do? What does the Bible say that we can pay attention to? And here's where I hope that this, this verse changes your relationship with the joy that you experience in your life because of what it has to say to us this morning. And the first thing that we really need to pay attention to is that this verse, it's not a suggestion, it's a command. And I know that that's kind of like, oh, because a lot of us don't like to be told what to do. But this verse, it's not a suggestion, it is a command. And here is why this is really important, okay? When I tell my kids to do something, when I give them a command, I am only commanding them to do things that I know are possible. Follow me on this one. For my son, Trey, he's three. I am not gonna give him the command like, hey, Trey, even though I want to sometimes, go make yourself dinner. He can't make himself dinner, he's three. Like, he can hardly open up the refrigerator. He hardly knows where the cups and the plates are. And he definitely doesn't know how to work the microwave, let alone use it or turn on the burners on the stove, which would be extremely dangerous, right? I'm not gonna say, hey, Trey, drive yourself to soccer practice so that I don't have to come with you and I can do something else. No, I'm only gonna give him commands that I know are possible for him. 
And in, and in fact, right now in, that, in his life, that is not a lot of things. This morning, he was trying to find my phone. Our, our little baby's sick at home, and uh, so I was trying to occupy him with my phone, and he couldn't find it. And my, my watch connects to my phone, and the best feature, I think, about my iWatch is that I press a button and it finds my phone for me. Best thing about my iWatch, okay? It is the thing that I use most often. So I'm pressing the button, and I can hear it in the room. And Trey's walking around the room going, Mommy, I can't find your phone. And I'm saying, I'm clicking the button. I can hear it going, ping, ping, ping. And I'm like, find the phone. And even then, he couldn't even find the phone. It was just sitting right there on the bed. I give him basic commands that I know he can follow, that I know are possible for him. Like, hey, put your sink, in, put your dish in the sink. Or hey, can, can you go find your shoes and just like snap the Velcro on? I'm giving him commands that I know are possible. And here's where this is important for us this morning. When the Bible is telling us to have joy, what that should communicate to us is that having joy is in fact possible. For us, this might be an important thing to realize this morning. So we might be going through a time in our life where we're just not sure that joy is really a possibility for us. But if the Bible is commanding us to do it, it's also communicating to us that it's a possibility, that it's able to be out there. And the next thing that I think that it communicates to us is that, in fact, God wants us to have joy. And this is something that I said earlier that I think we, we struggle with. And some of us that are here, we, we try to reach out to people that don't necessarily know God or don't have a, have a great relationship with them. And sometimes when I, when I have conversations about joy with people that don't really know God, they're like, well, I don't, you know, I, I'm on the fence about the whole God thing to begin with. And so I don't really know God's character. And sometimes I feel like He's mad at me or he's out to get me, that there's some karma involved. Like, I must have done something really bad in a past life or maybe last week because I feel like he's always mad at me. I feel like he's trying to punish me. So no, I, I'm not convinced that God actually wants me to have joy. And maybe even as a committed Christian, you still wrestle with this question sometimes. Does God really want me to have joy? But the fact that God is commanding us to do something means not only that it's possible, but that he wants us to experience joy. The cool thing about God is that we tend to view him, one of the ways that we view him is as a parent, and, and not just any old parent, but a really, really great parent. The kind of parent that has their kid's best interest at, at heart, that's always there, that's on their team, that's fighting for them. And the cool thing about a good parent is that they want their kids to have a lot of joy. They will do almost anything to get their kids to experience joy. I'm gonna play a video on the screen here of my kid, Trey, my oldest son, Trey, who's three, uh, experiencing a lot of joy. So check out this video. That is so funny. How in the world did you do that? So that video, let me tell you the backstory. 
My, uh, my in-laws got Trey for his birthday, what's called a barrel of monkeys. It's an old school toy. Some of you might be familiar with them, but they have these little arms and you try to pick them up together and they go in a barrel. And, and Trey doesn't necessarily like to play the game, but he, what he likes to do is like shake the thing really hard and then pop it open and all the monkeys just go flying all over the place. Well, one of them fell in my hair. And he thought it was the funniest thing that this monkey popped out of the barrel and landed in my hair. So for a good 30 minutes, Trey and I are playing this game where he just puts all of these monkeys all over my hair. I'm sitting in the living room. I have monkeys embedded into my hair. He's pulling them, trying to get them out and put them in there. But I am willing to do this because my kid is so happy and joyous. And I, that's what I do as a parent. There is no other reason for me to do that than because I want to experience my kid having joy. There is almost next to nothing that I wouldn't do as a parent to have my kids experience joy. And that is something that all of you need to hear this morning about your God and how he feels about you. God loves it when you have joy. Seriously. God is your good father up in heaven that has this relationship with you where he is wanting to experience you experiencing joy because he enjoys it, because he delights over you, because he loves you. So where is this disconnect that we're experiencing when we wanna have joy and we know that God is telling us that, that it's there for us and he wants us to have it but we're still not really experiencing it. Well, Psalm 1611 addresses one of the ways that we can get joy, and we're gonna put it up on the screen. Uh, when, when I'm studying for a message, I typically go through and read every verse in the Bible that talks about a specific topic. So I went through and I read every verse in the Bible that talked about joy. And my question, I was trying to do some scientific research, like what actually causes joy? What does the Bible say actually causes joy? And here is the number one way that people experience joy that the Bible talks about. And it is this, what it talks about in Psalm 1611. It says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, our pleasures forevermore. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. So when we're asking this question, like what sparks joy in our life? What can we add back into our life to give us more joy? The answer, part of the answer of this question is that we get our joy from experiencing God. We get our joy from God. And listen, not just joy, but fullness of joy. This word is communicating this feeling of like being full, being completely satisfied. How cool would it be in our life if we felt completely satisfied? I mean, how often do you get there? How often do you get to that feeling? Of feeling like you're satisfied with your relationships, your money, your career, your future? But he says, hey, listen, in my presence, there is fullness of joy. Who wouldn't want this? I mean, seriously, if somebody came up to you and they said, hey, 
Would you like to experience fullness of joy? How many of you would be like, nah, like maybe tomorrow, I have some things going on. Hard no, hard pass, don't want that, not interested. Nobody, I mean, if somebody really said to me, hey, hands down, all day long, you could experience fullness of joy, I would be like, sign me up, what do I do? And the Bible is basically like, here, well, let me tell you, let me direct you to show you how you can experience more fullness of joy. I have been uh, doing this, this app for the past couple of months. It's a, uh, there's so many great apps for helping you grow in your faith. Look for them, find them. They are great resources. So this app I have is a Bible in a year. It has an Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage, and a psalm. And not only does it have that, but it either, I can read it or it can speak to me so I can drive around my car and listen to it. And then not only does it have those two options, but it basically has like a little devotional and commentary to tell me, hey, here, here's a great thought about this. And it has been a really good thing that I have gotten in the habit of doing. And one of the passages that I read this past week was from Galatians. And just the things that I was reading about in this passage of Galatians as it was talking about like grace and freedom. There are these great things that, that I was not necessarily experiencing joy in, in that exact moment, okay? Because I was very tired. But those things that I was learning, they were shaping me, they were shaping my heart. They were reminding me of the things that are most important in life. They were reminding me that I am connected to this God that loves me, that, that fights for me, that died on the cross for my sins, that delights over me with singing, that created me, that rejoices in me, that parties up in heaven when awesome things happen in our lives. Like This is the type of God that I serve and I follow and spending time in his presence reminds me and reorients me to all the things that are important and what my priorities should actually be. And the cool thing is, is that when I spend that time there, I carry that with me into the rest of my life. Uh, this past week, my friend, my weekend, my friends have been visiting me in, in town. We met in band when we were in seventh grade. So we've known each other for a very long time. Uh, and we, we've been wanting to do lots of adventure stuff. And so on Saturday, or I don't know what day it was, I've lost track of the time, but uh, we went on a hike, and I brought my hiking backpack, and I brought my three-year-old, I put him on my back, and I carried him with me. Because that's what you, if you wanna go on a hike, that's what you have to do. It ended up being a lot longer of a hike with zero shade than we thought, but we, we kept at it, we went at it, and I got a great workout in. But as I was carrying him, it affected me the whole way because my heart rate was like double my friend's heart rate because I am carrying a 40-pound thing on my back. I carried it with me, and it affected me every step of the way. And this is what happens when we are spending time with God, when we're taking that time to spend time in his presence, is that what we're doing right there is not just impacting those five to 10 or 15, 20 minutes, however long you're spending time in your presence. That time that you're spending, you are carrying it with you all day long as you are dealing with circumstances, as you're dealing with things that are going on in your life and you're saying, yes, these things that are going on, maybe they're not making me happy, 
Maybe this person was a jerk to me, or this situation at work is stressful, or this friend is being stressful. My roommate situation is not good. However, I spent time with God. I carried those things with me, and I have joy because I know that there's something bigger, that there's something greater, that God still loves me, and it's gonna be okay. You carry that with you. So how can we find ways to add stuff like that back into our life? If you are not spending time with God on a regular basis, the Bible is saying that that might be part of the reason why you're struggling to experience joy. Because if we experience the fullness of joy by being in his presence, and we're experiencing that lack of joy, the Bible is saying, hey, this is the anecdote. This is one of the ways that you're gonna get more joy back into your life. The other way that I saw very clearly in the Bible that people experienced joy was when they were a part of God's big picture, when they saw God working in their lives and the lives of people that were around them. The Israelites, when they moved into their permanent setting, they, they built this big, beautiful temple. And when they started to try to build it, all of these people said, hey, we, we wanna help build this temple because we see the value in it. And they gave all of this, this money and jewels and things to, to raise the money to build this temple. And when the people witnessed everybody contributing for this greater good, a place where people could worship, experience God, they rejoiced, they had joy. And then once the temple was completed and they all got together and they were actually able to worship, experience God together, no matter how big or how small, they had joy again. And then when they saw other people coming to know God, it says that they had people, they, they had joy again. And so one of the greatest ways that we can experience joy in our lives is by being involved in that bigger picture, by being involved in other people's development and growth. And so here are some ways that if you're wanting to add joy back to your life because you're not feeling like much joy, one of those ways that we have, that we offer, that ties in with this understanding of what God talks about when people are seeing that big picture is by being involved in life groups, by showing up to life group. Hashtag squad goals, like getting to know some people, getting to know your friends, the people that you do church with. Another thing that you can do is by getting involved in this event that we have called coming up called uh, Be the Gift. This is our second time that we're gonna partner together with Be the Gift. They're this organization in town that has um, tried to fill a, a niche in town that said, hey, listen, there's a lot of single moms raising kids that are in poverty, and it's gotta be hard, and it's gotta be hard to find the time to fix up your house when you're trying to raise kids and when you don't have a lot of money. And so the Bible tells us to take care of like people that are in need and, and, and don't have anybody fighting for them. And so this organization gets together, they help single, single moms in need, and uh, we're gonna do just a building project. It's the easiest thing in the world and most fun thing in the world. You show up, they provide all the tools, you help a mom in need, you fix up her house, you get to talk to her and, and encourage her, pray over her. And that's a way that we can, we can have joy and experience joy in that. When we did it last time, I definitely felt the joy in that. It was really neat to be a part of something that was 
bigger than myself. And here's what the Bible says about that, of these times when we experience God and his joy in something that is bigger than us. It talks about this in 1 Chronicles 29, 17. It says, I know my God, I know my God that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. This is that passage from when all the people had given their money and, and things to see God's temple be built. They said, hey, we have joy in seeing this bigger picture come together. So what does it look like for you to add things that spark joy back into your life? What does it look like for us to, to go to the right place for that? So to close up, uh, I, I used to live in Michigan and right down the street from my house, Within walking distance, they opened up a Culver's, and this was before Culver's was probably here or that they, they got big, and so I didn't know what a Culver's was, but I knew they had, that they had ice cream. And so I go to get ice cream at Culver's, and they tell me, um, hey, we don't actually have ice cream, we have custard. And I was like, well, that's great, but I don't want the custard, can I have the ice cream? And they're like, bam, we are, like it literally says Culver's, col custard, we, we, we just have custard. And I was kind of like, well, that's weird because like Burger King is called Burger King, but they have chicken and salad. So, I mean, like, why is it that you only have custard? Why don't you also have ice cream? But they said, hey, listen, you came to the wrong place. If you want ice cream, you're in the wrong place because we are just a custard place. I think a lot of times in life we can be like this with our joy, that we go to the wrong place to try to find it. We go to relationships, we go to money, we go to our looks, we go to the, the, the things that we own, our materialistic things. We're looking for that joy in the wrong place and we can't find it, it cannot be fulfilled there. The Bible says, hey, the place where you can find joy is with me. So what does it look like for us to start adding more joy back into our life? It means that we take that space, that time that we carved out by decluttering and we add a little bit more God and people back into it to experience the joy that he not only commands us to have, but that he wants us to have. So right now here in the quietness of your seat every week, we have what's called a God space time. We believe that God wants to be involved in your life, that, that he, is, he, he wants to be in relationship with you, and so we offer a time for you to talk to God and hear what he is saying to you this morning about this concept. Take the time right now to hear what he is saying to you about adding more joy back into your life and having that joy come from a place where you are experiencing the fullness of joy that he offers by being in his presence.
God, we are so thankful that you are the type of God that wants us to have joy, that you have commanded us to have it, that you have given us a way to experience it. I pray that we would take the time to add more joy back into our lives by carving out some time, some space for you, and that we would experience that joy in your presence that we can then carry in to every other area of our life. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the message of the week. If you were inspired by this message and would like to speak with a pastor, check out our website at thegrovecommunity.net for more info.